0: Dearest mother, the quill has never felt more heavy. I have made the decision to holster my sidearm permanently. I shall battle no more. This decision is difficult, but as the hogs taught me, I must be true to myself. I'm coming home to care for you in the farm. Signed sincerely, Captain Andrew Luck, retired. Alright, Todd has a few words he'd like to say.
1: I want to thank all the listeners for joining in celebrating a storied Yet, tragically short career of one, Andrew Austin Luck. From evening redrafts on Saturday to destroyed Superflex Dynasty rosters, it's important for us to gather together and support each other as we blankly stare at the waiver wire looking for answers for a shattered draft. There's no denying Luck's talent, the arm strength, pinpoint accuracy, Vision and one heck of a Wonderlook score. The hype around this man led the Colts to cut that meathead, Peyton, and send him to Denver. His hype and promise was unmatched, and he seemed to back it up at first. Despite his QB1 skill set, we all knew the struggles that fantasy owners and Colts fans endured. His 2018 stats had his dreaming of 2014. Life before the injuries. A shoulder, an ankle, a concussion, ribs, abdomens. All these injuries haunt our memories of seasons lost.
0: Why? Why?
1: We couldn't let go, waiting for a rebound of massive value to crush your friends and rub it in their faces. (laughs) A dynasty built around a twenty nine year old quarterback who destined for the Hall of Fame. Alas, we will see no return. We only see disappointment and Jacoby Brissett, which is kind of the same thing. <laughs> Though he's out of the league and crushed many of a roster, he's wicked freaking smart and will probably land a pretty chill gig designing buildings or something sweet like that. My luck QB ranking, rest in peace, and we will always remember that you could never beat the Patriots.
0: Oh, that was emotional. Sorry, I, I usually like to keep together here on the podcast, Todd, but uh, they got the best of me here, uh, on our fifth episode here at the Tale of Two Rivals.
1: Yeah, that that, was, that was, might have been harder than writing my eulogy for Geis' potential last season. Oh gosh That was a tough one for you Dave That's
0: still still, a pang in my heart
1: Oh it was tough
0: So I just want to
1: share with the audience that I did indeed draft Andrew Luck In the middle of the 8th round 10 minutes before he retired (laughs) And And In that same night I saw Lamar Miller The 4th running back of my dynasty team Go down So yeah, that night was great. I had a few extra cocktails, if if you you don't mind. It was a trigger one. You were triggered. I was, yeah, yeah. I was with our friend Brian, and I I was not that much fun to hang out with after that.
0: (laughs) I'm not gonna lie. So yeah, but um, how's life, Dave? Good, good. Um life's good. I, I mean I will just wrap up by saying, you know, I we you know, obviously we both fully support Andrew Luckins decision. You know, this is just a game. 100%. 100%. Um, you know, you be you, right? You know, that that's kind of our my philosophy anyway when it comes to this kind of stuff. You, you know, you do you, Andrew, and uh
1: and he might uh, design
0: wicked cool buildings, kid. He has an architectural <laughs>
1: design degree, you know?
0: So. Yeah, I wish him all the best. Um he was fun to watch and yeah, he actually won me a championship last year, so I'll, I'm happy with that. In Dynasty? No one in my auction league. Oh right, I won Dynasty. Just my bad. I forgot for a second. <laughs> oh, oh. Uh,
1: yeah, good times. Good times. Alright, Todd. Yeah, so what do we got going on this week? Um we have a lot of drafts. Uh we're in the 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 Fantasy Shack uh best ball draft still going on for our division. Which um, we drafted feel- Andrew Luck. <laughs> yep. Uh, yes, we did. <laughs> um, I also trained Andrew Luck in a startup dynasty this year. So, you know, this one's stinging a little bit. Um, yeah, so um, we got that. We have our longest standing league together draft tomorrow night. And we're doing the slow draft on Sleeper for our IDPL league,
0: which yeah, so is going busy.
1: famously. And I have a very, very special announcement. Ooh. My wife has joined her first fantasy week and is drafting tomorrow night at the same time I am.
0: Wow. Well, make sure you you know your router can handle that kind of uh, traffic.
1: Oh, baby, you know my router can handle it. (laughs) Yeah. But no, while I was doing multiple drafts on Sunday, I also installed a hard mount baby gate and a car seat and made a, a trip to Staples.
0: And it's our first week of school, too, on top of all that. Yeah, I'm pretty tired. <laughs> so, so that's one reason why there will not be a stat of the week this week. That and uh, how rudely I was treated by my co-host. Um, and just, you know...
1: Easy, nerd. It's all good. Oh, I'm flustered. Uh, relax, nerd. Let's get on
0: with it. All right, so what are we doing tonight, Todd? So Dave and I were thinking about a few things. to Oh, doing can I mock. actually interrupt? Before we get to that, I forgot. I have a first for me too this week, man. What's that? I have never tried this before, but I will be drafting two teams at the same time tomorrow night
1: oh i remember my first time that was uh That's i had a crazy. buddy a buddy look of at mine, you
0: you're all grown up i know a buddy of mine texted me saying that you know he's been too busy and they basically auto-drafting patriots so he and it's a league that he really cares about it's a bunch of his surgeon buddies and he he you know he, he made the call to the bullpen i'm in is this your first surrogate um, I did a surrogate like way back in the day, but you know, this is my first one that I really care about.
1: Um, I could almost be a professional surrogate at this point. I get hit up <laughs> I get hit up on the rig. But um yeah, no, that's awesome, man. I mean two I, I personally love two two drafts. I have a feeling I'm kinda am doing two drafts tomorrow night. So <laughs> Yeah. Well, no, 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 no. She 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 respects the game and she understands that like if she you know, she's gonna ask me questions.
0: Well oh no, and it, I think about it, if she's been listening to the podcast, she's all set.
1: Oh, she listens to the podcast and doesn't <laughs> actually have to press play. But at the same time, um, so here's a crazy thing is that she's in a sixteen man week. Like like that was like a detail that was not shared with me. And I was like, You're in a sixteen man week." She goes, What does that mean? And I was that basically like basically makes it two Q B just about Pretty super much.
0: Flex. Basically Superflex at that point.
1: Uh, yeah, yes and no. I mean, I mean, if, if, as long as you pick up somebody's backup, like, you're fine, I guess. But at the same time, like, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see how the draft, we'll see how the flow goes. But, uh, yeah, so anyway, so Dave and I had talked about uh, a few ideas this week. We thought about doing mocks, and then we thought about the idea of, like, well, you know, like, a lot of people do mocks, and, you know, by doing it by, like, what position doesn't necessarily is as reachable to people. And then we thought about it that a lot of you guys are probably – entering into your redrafts or looking at the waiver wire because some of these guys we're talking about is might even still be there so dave and i decided we're gonna do a sleepers uh episode tonight sleeper episode so um what's
0: the definition for a sleeper todd
1: so it's funny like it it, this definition came up from you and me talking you know and for me i said double digit rounds and then i backpedal and then i said you know what Anything with an ADP of over 100. Yep. If you're not one of the 100 top projected players, you are a sweeper. Because that's looking at, like, the middle of, like, the 8th round, you know? So, Mm -hmm. I would say that's when you start, you can start reaching a little bit at that point and start taking your guys, you know? I mean, I would say if you have a guy projected in the 13th, you're picking in the 8th, you're stretching a little there. But that guy, if he was a 10th and you're looking in the 8th, that's... That's a sweeper, and that's okay to go chasing if that's somebody you're really high on. Um, what about you, Dave? Is there anything else you think I missed on that? Um,
0: well, let me just establish a couple questions for you, Todd. All sure. right. Um, I mean, i ask you, has this ever happened to you before? Have you ever been uh, hanging out with the missus while she's talking to you about her day, and it's uh, all you can do to prevent yourself from thinking about um, zero RB targets, pondering their potential? Or maybe she's telling you about the plan she made for you both on some random weekend three months in the future. And all you're thinking about how great it would be if Mike Isecki broke out in year two. Or, or, heaven forbid, you find yourself beneath the sheets enjoying some long-awaited couple time, and your mind wanders to Traquan Smith in the 12th round of a best ball tournament. And in your excitement, you prematurely end things for you both. Um, Well, of course, that doesn't happen to us here on the Tale of Two Rivals because we are focused. We are dialed in for our sleepers, for our listeners. We've got rules, we've got strategies to talk about. And Todd, for me personally, I like to think of my sleepers as making a nice homemade pizza. Um, another food analogy this week for you guys. And now if you listen to this and you're a chain pizza kind of guy or 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 lady, and all you or maybe you just like to reheat a, a sodium-rich frozen pizza from the supermarket, then this show isn't gonna be for you. No, just turn it off, go tune into some big network podcast that boring lists their sleepers in order to give you their spiel about why Curtis Samuel is an amazing sleeper. But in reality, in your league, he goes in the sixth round. And uh, no, no, no. Here tonight, Todd, on a Tale of Two Rivals, we're going to give you the recipe to make your own pie. Right. So
1: Dave's apparently going to just fly with these food analogies from now on. I like it. And no, Dave, I've never pre- premature ejaculated while thinking of fantasy. You had me at D.E. up until that point. You had me, and then when you got to there, I was like, I was like, and especially not for like a wide three potentially, you
0: know. Well, that's uh, just you know the sleepers get me excited, Todd. But anyway, this is uh, just a little, a little something Oof. for us right here. Um, Oof, here we' it's getting go.
1: steamy. Di- I, well, yeah,
0: this is. I just want to you know hammer home this analogy for us, Todd.
1: Yeah. So all right, so let's start. Let's start making some pies, baby. So uh, tonight we decided that we've talked a lot about QBs. Wait on QBs, whatever, you know, like one QB week, you wait anyways. So we decided to do two running backs, two wide receivers, and two tight ends. Correct, Dave? Yep. All right. So uh, Dave, you want to kick us off with your first running back?
0: Well, I just, before we actually list them, I'm going to talk about maybe just how, you know, how our strategies are for what, you know. Oh, true, 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 true. What we do for what, you know, how we go about finding sleepers. I think that, you know, because ideally we, you know, we have our own thoughts and opinions and our own biases, but it'd be nice to maybe tell people who are listening Um, you know, maybe give them the tools to find, you know, and then they can go and they can find their own sleepers. So, Todd, do you have a certain strategy you like to do? I mean, for me, it's kind of like you, I I do kind of do my homework at looking
1: at guys and like the later rounds and thinking it. For me, the number one thing is opportunity. If there's an opportunity for a guy to come in and get touches, you know, get targets, carry the ball, you know, that's number one more than anything. You cannot score fantasy points if you don't get on the field. So a guy, and it's usually um, an ambiguous situation, you know, where you're mm-hmm. looking at guys that not necessarily like a handcuff or something like that. Just like you're not really sure about where the rules are at. All right, so like that's a situation where like you're looking at opportunities. So like a guy I might not talk about, like like a Mabarita, would be like kind of like that. But uh, I picked some other guys too because I know is getting hyped up on sweepers right yeah. now. Yeah,
0: yeah. He's Evan. He Evan Silva's started him on a couple podcasts and yeah. it's the old Evan podcast bump. Whenever he mentions somebody, his ADP jumps two rounds.
1: Right. So long story short is like his ADP when we looked on the the redraft for fantasy uh, fantasy football calculator just since I brought him up was a uh, nine oh five. So you're looking at him like in the middle of the ninth round. Um, And I think that his ADP has gone up because of the hype around him being a sweeper. So now he's not essentially becoming a sweeper to a certain degree. But that's because of the ambiguous and he has the opportunity. The next thing is about potential. And Dave will probably crunch the numbers to find the potential. Mine's a lot of like, I I like to look at just just the hard stats. I like to watch some highlights, to watch some tape. I'll try to read a few things. and uh, And I test. And for me, there's... There's certain guys that like I like their potential with that. And I'm not saying I would wouldn't and can look at advanced edit literature combine numbers, but for me potential is like where I see them kind of exploding. Like for me, last year, um, a guy I felt that was swept on in our rookie drafts was Lamar Jackson. And I scooped him up fast because I just thought he looked like he was gonna be a fantasy monster. So that was a guy I saw a lot of potential in there. And then of course my third piece that i would typically look at is what offense are they attached to you know another reason like burita is getting hyped up is he's attached to a phenomenal offense you know and uh most of the guys i have i would say that they're either in great offenses or emerging offenses so those are the kind of things i look for dave what about yourself
0: all right todd so i'm gonna you know hammer this home here again and i have four key ingredients to how to make my own pizza todd one is the dough okay my dough is I gotta zoom out and get to know each team, sort of like how you talked about. But this is my first step. It's the <clears> most <throat> important step for me in identifying a singer because I want to know the good offenses. I want to I want to understand how they're like. There are scoring points in that offense. If it's gonna be you know a lot of run a uh, rushing attempts, pat, their run pass ratios, how they split their running. they usually they split their workloads at running back. Um, how many plays they run a game is important to me. Um, also, I like to. You know, like if it's a good team or if it's not a good team usually that might be a stay away for some people but i have found that sometimes if it's a, a really bad offense or if the team that has a really bad defense you can find value on teams that have really bad defenses because they're going to be playing in a lot of uh garbage time and they can rack up those garbage time sla- uh, stats like uh qb one time qb5 blake bortles um he used to be right. king of those so that's, but that I, I, that's not a guy I like to target. But that's, you know, I don't rule those guys out of sleepers because obviously you're trying to find, you know, mine for value. Second ingredient right. is sauce. Yeah, that yes. So second ingredient is sauce. Um, I like to identify like the in it go, The sauce for me is the individual opportunity on the team. So we talked about zooming out, and now I like to get a, the next layer, and that's the individual opportunities. So know the position battles in the offense. What's up for grabs? Maybe there's an injury that opens up um playing time that i can i can hop on that value or maybe um underst- you know i also think important part of this is knowing depth charts and understanding player contracts because there might be a late cut in camp because you see a bloated contract and you might be able to mine value that way um, and then also rook in the what you mentioned it too uncertainty creates value And yes. rookies rookies are are uncertainty at its finest you can get a big swim swing and a home run on a rookie. Um because he's undervalued by the, the community. So
1: Dave, I got a share of David Montgomery and Miles Sanders in my draft. Whew. ah, Loving it. Keep going.
0: I love oh, I love it too. So yeah, those are yeah, you know, rookies are, you know, you know, they don't and usually in past years, Todd, rookies have been going a lot higher at their average draft position. Usually, you know, like Darius Geis was going in the mid-third round. Now I think maybe we can get David Montgomery at the beginning of the fourth, Miles Sanders in the in the beginning the late fifth.
1: Yeah, no, it's possible. I mean, you might have to reach out. It just kind of depends on what it's out. But um, yeah, I, I would say you could usually get rookies like two or three years ago in like eight, nine, ten. You know what I mean? But now and it's you think kind of, so? oh yeah. I, I kind of think the rookie value piece has kind of exploded over the last few seasons, oh. in my opinion. I mean, that's but honestly, for me, like I'm not looking at hard data from that. I'm just looking at that from my own personal leagues, and I'm in multiple leagues, so. You know, but I'm just saying that that's just the way I always felt. Is that we that rookies went a little later, but of like the last few, like I would say maybe two to three years, you start seeing those guys going higher. But I would say like you're getting Montgomery in a third, fourth round, and you're looking at a guy who has an opportunity to be a top twelve running back. I think Miles Sanders is the same way too. You know, so um, yeah. yeah.
0: Well, and then the, just the last two pieces of this pie, Todd, to keep it going, are the cheese. Um, for me, it's basically what's the uh, so the player that I start to hone in on that it might have some value based on some uncertainty or you know an injury or who knows why they have they're being undervalued by the community um, is just I like to know a player's range of outcomes and I think and part of that for me is are they actually good I want yeah. if I have a sleeper I'm not gonna you know some people might consider Rondé bar or not Rondé Barber Peyton Barber a sleeper uh, and I think he's decent value he's a starting running back on a you know, on a you know a top ten offense, let's say, right? Mm-hmm. But for me, in the ninth round, yeah, I'm definitely should maybe get a floor. But last year he didn't do all that. He was actually had one of the worst running back seasons for someone who had over like 200 touches in the history of fantasy football. Um, it was a and I just don't you know I like he gives you a floor, but I don't think he's going to give you that true upside that I want my sleep my league winning potential. I don't think Peyton Barber has it. He's going to he's giving you value, but he value, but he's not the sleeper that I want. I want to know if the player's is actually good. So to see if they're like good, I sometimes I might look at small sample sizes, you know, how a player did in a small sample size. Not really, but I'll, I'll go back to how they did in college because usually sleepers for me are younger players. So I look at their college production, their draft capital. Um, and then the last piece of the toppings, Todd, and this is where I just let my, you know, this is just the, it's just the last piece of the pie. And it's, uh, it's just my, my imagination goes wild. I'll even use the eye test for some, you know, on a sleeper. Does he make my heart? Does he make my just my spirit glow? That's what a sleeper means to me, Todd. That's how I make my pies, and uh, that's what makes me say yes on certain players. It's just that little something's pizzazz that gives me what makes me want to draft him.
1: Dave, Dave wants that special little tingle when he's in the sheets with the sleepers.
0: Oh, Oh, Todd. Yeah. Well. Anyway, (laughs) that.
1: So, Dave. um, uh, Okay, that seems like a pretty tasty pizza. Uh, I think actually, um, when we dive into this, I should go first.
0: Yeah. Oh, no. You're... No, yeah. Go first, for sure. All
1: right. So, you ready to kick this off?
0: Yeah, let's go with our running backs first.
1: Oh, so uh, my first running back Peyton Barber. <laughs> so, uh, uh. now, hear me out here, because exactly what you said is exactly why I'm targeting him. He is a starting running back mm-hmm. in a top 10 offense, and he's not a rookie, and he has a proven situation. Well... It seems like it could be, but the reason is is because while guys are chasing upside, I'm going to pick up Peyton Barber. Now, you were saying ninth round. His ADP is saying late 11th. Okay. It's, it's yeah, at 11 I'm not reaching for him in the ninth round, but if he's at the end of the 11th round, and I'm looking at, at that point, probably my 4th running back is a guy who's a starting running back on a starting offense with Ronald Jones, who has not done anything to prove himself yet behind him then I'm going to call that a win and say that people are overthinking it. That's <laughs> what I have to say about that. And I understand the idea of you want to make it sexy. You want those sexy sweeper picks. And you know what? You go. You, you know what? You go for your young studs and wait for them to kind of like have that uncertainty and explode. And I'm all about that too because that's what my next guy's about. But Peyton Barber will score points if you have an injury early on. You much rather have Peyton Barber than other sweepers because you have a starter.
0: I'm, not, I'm never going to argue with someone over their sleeper pick because it's a sleeper for a reason. So I'm not going to sit here and, and argue, you know, why. This is just your process, and that's fine. And from ro- certain roster constructions, say if you drafted a Dalvin Cook, who might be a little bit more injury pr- if injury-prone even exists, that term even exists. It does. Um, it totally does. People, uh, people throw it around people all lot. time. Yeah, yeah, people throw it around, but some people debate it. Anyway, I'm not even going to get into that. But if you have a certain roster construction where you took a lot of risk early on, Peyton Barber might make sense as a late-round guy. I understand that. Well, Absolutely. That, absolutely i never argue with somebody on their sleeper well then why are we doing a cast but But i'm just saying no we're giving we're giving we're giving the crew our sleepers all right uh, so
1: my whole thing about it is if peyton barber's there and you don't like guys with upside he's going to be a steady depth guy and he's the perfect guy to have in your in your arsenal if somebody goes down you know like you can go and shoot for that high level guy you as a guy Third, fourth week, and you're looking for the high upside guys. Those high upside guys probably won't break out until mid year. Okay. They they might like work their way in the early parts. But Peyton Barber is a winner and helps you out in the beginning of the year, especially if chaos ends. Yeah,
0: like, yeah, yeah. And it's just honestly, and you don't want to. Maybe sometimes you don't want to have. Say you get four like ho- swings at sleepers in late in your draft. Maybe you don't take four home run cuts. You know, maybe you only take three, and you get right. So it's all about how you want to approach it. This you're taking this to look with your first guy, and I honestly, my first guy, I'm not necessarily gonna wow anybody. Be like, ooh, that, that that sounds nice. It's I feel it's like a pretty lunch pail kind of guy. But anyway, anything else you have to say about Peyton Barber? Cash to a great offense, and yeah, and he, and, he, and he put up fantasy
1: stats last year. I mean, yeah, go for him. And he, and what he did for I'm I'm not saying he burned down any doors, and but my point is is that he's the kind of guy who's just gonna be steady. And it's fine to have steady, you, reliable players are important on your roster too.
0: He could get two touchdowns in a week. You know, if that offense sees a lot of goal line trip or end zone trips, he could get two touchdowns. You know, there's mm-hmm. there's definitely upside with Peyton Barber. I'm not trying. Yep. I am not poo pooing your pick at all. Not
1: no, dad. You don't. Thank you for not poo pooing. All right. <laughs> um, I appreciate that. But the other thing too, though, about Peyton Barber that I like about this year too is is that I really think that offense's pass is going to open up a lot. Mm -hmm. So I think you're going to see him having more opportunities in the red zone to possibly do something. You're going to also, like, uh, passing attacks open up running lanes, you know? So, um, yeah, I'm also—now, the funny thing is, when you asked me if I'd be higher on Ronald Jones than Peyton Barber, if you asked me this two weeks ago, I would have said, Jones, no problem. But Mm -hmm. now the fact that Jones really hasn't done anything to really, like, get any sort of respect in that situation— it's kinda like, well, why wouldn't I just stay with old faithful on that one? It but it's gotta be at that late eleventh or later for me to go snag him. I'm not reaching on him. But I just yeah, think that Yeah. Yeah. I just think that he's a great late reliable option. So
0: who's your guy, Dave? So mine is so this isn't gonna wow anyone. Mine's Deion Lewis. Um I don't think my people might view that as a you know, like what you said a sexy pick, but for me he is, because I think Dion Dave, Lewis Dave, is a you, good player. Are
1: you serious? Cause you I know what? You want to know what, Dave? I love that pick. <laughs> I love uh, that I love, pick. Oh goodness,
0: Todd! I'm yeah. rushing.
1: I actually uh, thought about him myself. I like yeah. that
0: pick a lot. So, so my first thing that, going through my process, I zoomed out. Tennessee is going to be a top rushing volume offense this year, in my opinion. Um, you look at you know, crunch numbers; they should be top ten. They've added Roger Saffold, the guard from the Rams, a top free agent target, and they also drafted a guard in the third um, in the third round, and Nate Davis out of Charlotte, I think. But um, So they're upgrading I thought they had A decent line In the past Or they were supposed to Maybe they underperformed A little bit But they're definitely Invested a lot Into that offensive line Maybe try to keep Mariota upright a little bit more They haven't so far In the preseason But the idea is That they should be able to More And then um, Mariota So Derrick Henry And Deion and Lewis last year They faced a lot of Heavy stack boxes Because people Didn't respect Mariota After the arm injury And then Was it Blaine Gabbert At one point I believe um, came in, so they didn't. They were just stacking the box against Derrick Henry and Deion Lewis, and that's not really Dion Lewis's game. Derrick Henry's better at facing those heavier boxes, but then, right. So that's my zoom. I zoom out, and the next layer for me is Mike Vrabel. You know the, the sauce, Mike Vrabel. You know talking about actual individual opportunity. There is not a lot of people talking about Deion Lewis right now. That's why his. I know. I actually don't know his uh, ADP off the top of my head. I just know it's past the twelfth round, or in the twelfth round. I think it's like round fourteen or something. But I doesn't mean when you're that late it doesn't really matter because adp's out the window after the 11th round or something like that so um but this you know mike vrabel says he wants to build his offense around derrick henry and the offensive coordinator says he wants to ride um derrick henry in the final year of his contract they want to pound the rock with derrick henry um but also derrick henry's been in a walking boot for all of training camp until yesterday when he came back um came back to practice but so you might initially think, well, that's not a lot of opportunity. But for me, Henry hasn't been a receiver in the past. He might get a couple more receptions this year because they might try to throw it to him a little bit because he's not a terrible pass catcher. Just, they haven't done. He hasn't shown it before. He might be able to. Who knows? But Deion Lewis was the top, like, led, had the 14th most targets in the, at, for, for an RB last year, and he is a phenomenal receiving back. So he's. I think he has a great floor for a late round sleeper. And Henry goes down, or Henry underperforms like he has for a lot of his career deion lewis could work his way into a significant upgrade behind a good offensive line and an improved um, offense so i like that part of it and then you know the cheese for me Deion lewis is good he um he's getting a little old i think he's almost 29 he'll be 29 by the season starts i believe yep. um but you know when he was at Pitt, he was a stud he was a workhorse at Pitt. he 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 saw a lot of carries he could handle a large workload he suffered a lot of injuries early on um but the last two seasons i think he's played in 16 games in both seasons and I mentioned earlier he's he didn't really – wasn't put in a lot of great situations because he faced a lot. He's not – he's better in a spread-you-out offense or an offense that, you, you know, can't necessarily commit to the run. Because he – and the, the thing that jumps off the page to me, Todd, is that Deion Lewis is still forcing missed tackles. He's a yeah. tackle breaker. He's 62 evaded tackles last year, which was 10th in the league for a 29% juke rate, which is basically, you know, how many evaded tackles you had div- divided by runs or rush attempts. And that was 16th in the league. So – And that's, and this for me, the the little icing on the top, Todd, for, for, is, I'm not, have you heard of Sean Siegel before, Todd? Yes. He's, he basically is the godfather of the late round, or the zero RB, the zero RB strategy. He, he was the guy who made it famous. Yes, 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 He works for Rotaviz. He's a, he might actually own a part of it now, but phenomenal, phenomenal. I listen to all his podcasts, he's phenomenal, but, you know, he preaches, you know, you want a receiving back. That's that's the type of people you want to target for zero RB because it gives you a nice little floor while you're what you know while you're trying to wait for that RB to take over or you know get opportunity from an injury or something, and it's not like they're just giving you zeros every week. So that's what I like. And then if he does get that opportunity, I think Deion Lewis can can deliver. So that's why I like him as a sleeper.
1: I, I love Deion Lewis super because it's the exact same thing with Peyton Barber. The only difference is like I'm not high on the Titans offense, but opportunities there and the the thing about potential with Lewis is like exactly him as a cat as a catch as a pass catcher you know, he's a phenomenal receiving back. He still does break tackles. We're Patriots fans. We saw it. Like oh, yeah. the guy. He was, was... a
0: weak winner for people in two thousand seventeen. Yep. The and the only thing that stopped people from from uh Todd Gurley winning championships, you had to have Deion Lewis on your team that year if you wanted to win a championship against Todd Gurley, because Todd Gurley was was, you know, plowing through teams in the playoffs that year. Right. And the
1: two so the two things about Lewis mm. you gotta remember about why people aren't talking about him is, is one, we're only a year removed from him being at the same level of Derrick Henry in drafts. When you looked at those two on the same team, they were, I mean, I don't remember what the ADP was last year, but it was close is all I remember. It was not that far off. Right. So we're only a year removed from that. And that's also with a new coach, a new offense, you know? And the other thing that we got to remember is, is that people are really hung up on those last four games for Derrick Henry, because that's when Lewis disappeared. He Mm -hmm. wasn't a good player in playoffs. As an owner of him in a Deep Dynasty week, I did not play him in the playoffs. (laughs) And I however I also had Henry, so it didn't really hurt me that bad. But my whole point is is that you're talking about those four games just crushed his value this year. And made really enthralled
0: with that upside, that
1: potential. Yep, and then Henry just got boosted. And now, like you saw and I've just been seeing Henry slide and slide and slide. And we know about the boot and everything. But Lewis is it's kind of the same idea with, with Barber. There's potential there, there's a proven track record there. I don't need to go all the way back to college with this guy personally. But no, no, no. It just adds
0: to the like to the whole picture for me.
1: I get that. I that's your thing. For me, once you're a few years removed from college, I'm good. But um with the Titans, what the thing I think that was really important you pointed out is that's a great line. That is mm-hmm. a very good line. And a lot of people don't realize that because it's an offense that overwhelms us a little bit. I'm not high in the Titans' offense, but it doesn't mean that guys that aren't attached to these top 10 offenses can't produce points, you know? So...
0: Yeah, and if they're giving you opportunity, even though if it's not a good... If you're still getting a lot of opportunity and if you're a right. good player, you can still... If you're... And you can be efficient, that will help. You will get value. You you can... You know, you can do it. So... And, I mean, what is Jeremy and, Nichols going to do it, Todd? Is he going to take over for Deion Lewis, do you think? No. No, is Alex Barnes gonna do it? No. Akeem Hunt, De- Dallin Dawkins. I don't even know that name. David Fluellen's now a fullback. No, my old, D- it, yeah, it's the, not gonna happen. The only guy even
1: worth breathing. There's Alex Barnes. Is a deep stash in yeah. a Dynasty. But so like here's an example. Like I like Dion Lewis. But if you had a choice between Peyton Barber and Deion Lewis, I'm taking Peyton Barber because of the offense it's attached to. Yeah,
0: I think you might have to take Peyton Barber a little bit earlier than Dion Lewis. I agree
1: with that. If yeah. if they're but it's also kind of like you never know how the how that draft falls. Somebody might be like, "Oh, Peyton Barber's starting running back," and I'm going to take him in like the ninth round, and be like, "That's ridiculous," you know? Cool. But all right, and then I'll wait for Dion Lewis in like the thirteenth. You just kind of let your draft play out the way that value is going to fall to you. All right, so running back number two for you, Dave. No, I want you, Todd.
0: I like this every other thing. Let's be. Uh, you like, want to do that? All cool right. Today.
1: So, um, I, because I went with that that safer backside pick, um, the guy I went with next is actually a rookie, and it's a guy that at the beginning of rookie drafts I wasn't high on, and just from being part of the Twitter community and a few Facebook groups and doing research and doing a little doing some eye tests, a guy I become pretty high on is Justice Hill, um. Uh, huh and oh,
0: he, you stole him from me I want to talk about him I love me some justice Hill
1: well maybe we can share that okay so for me with justice Hill is you're looking at a guy that's around 12th round and an um, adp right now um, hill is a special talent he he has some really good college production he he seems to kind of not really have a lot of holes in the way that he runs he can catch the ball on the backfield now the other thing about Hill is that I like about him is is that's a crowded backfield, but he kind of already seems like the second best running back on that team, you know. Mm-hmm. And Mark Ingram's a very good player, but two running backs can be supported by a good offense, and it's a run-based offense. He has a quarterback that's really working on his accuracy in that, and he could be a very good check-down player so and i'm actually really high on the ravens taking a step with that offense and a rookie coming in when that that step's going to come and he's shown the ability to be a breakout kind of a player it it just there's just some great opportunity there in that offense and um potentially he could be a special player he's that kind of guy that at the beginning like people were kind of sleeping on And he could bust out. The only other guy that I could see also kind of busting out that was swept on more with would be Darwin Thompson. But I, yeah, you know.
0: Uh, Darwin Thompson and Justice Hill. So I would say, you know, to give advice, what would you say? Justice Hill's going in the 12th round, Todd?
1: Yeah, yeah, his ADP was around 1203.
0: It's going up. I think if you really want him, you might want to start thinking about the late in the 10th round. If you really like this guy, if he's one of your crown jewels... Don't be with a sleeper. Don't be afraid to take him a round or two early. Exactly. Next, who knows?
1: Exactly. Because the thing about it too is, is like if you want to like stick to that number, every draft's going to move a little differently. The settings are going to be a little differently. The biases you don't really know. If you go up a round or two to go get your guy, feel confident in that. Because if you keep second guessing yourself, you're never going to be the kind of manager that can win. You know. <laughs> You got to be able to trust
0: yourself. <laughs> yeah, especially in home leagues, Todd, because home leagues, a lot of people, not everyone, are on fantasy Twitter. They're not all like you no know, ins and outs of ADP. I think people have become a lot more knowledgeable about fantasy over the last three or four years, but they some, if people might not think Justice Hill it normally goes in 12th round. Maybe they just really like him and they want to take him the 10th round. You never know. So you can't just be a slave to ADP. If you got a guy and you value him at a certain point, don't be afraid to go take him. Dave, do you want know to do when I look at ADP? I ask
1: one question.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Why? Yeah. Yeah,
0: it's a, yeah, that's a,
1: because, like and I go look perfect, at Pey- like 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 Peyton Barber's like that to, to me that's why you picked him. I go why? You know, he's like so like to me like with Justice Hill is we know why cuz he's a rookie and it's an unknown thing. But at the same time, why not? <laughs> you know, yeah. and like like what he could be. So like like I said, like I got my shares of Sanders and Montgomery, you know, and I had to pay for that. If if I miss out on those guys, I'm happy taking this guy and hoping that I just landed a guy that was slept on, you know? Yeah. And um yeah, so r- rookies as sweepers are definitely a big hit, you know, like that's why I kinda like Especially
0: much... running backs, especially running backs.
1: Absolutely. So um yeah, so I, I was really big on Justice Hill. Do you want to add anything on Justice Hill?
0: I just I know your favorite thing I've ever mentioned about Justice Hill is Todd. He beat out Chris Carson as a true freshman at Oklahoma State. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <Ice>. No, but <laughs> in all seriousness, he, he had decent um, – he, he's the most athletic running back in this class. If you look at his numbers, he is the most athletic running back. And he's a pass – he could catch the ball a little bit at Oklahoma State and – he was injured a little bit his freshman year where he saw a, a downtick in his attempt, rush attempts, and just opportunity overall. And I think that led his, even though he had relatively decent draft stock in the fourth round for running back, he might have gone th- late second, early third if he didn't get dinged a little bit this year. So that right. don't let that draft capital fool you. He's a good player.
1: Yep. Yeah. So we're, so we're both high in Justice Hill. That's great. So that's a guy you guys can just yep. check up because you are both going to talk about him. I also love that we didn't share our list with each other because we just wanted to see what was going to happen. It's Very <laughs> well, authentic. I, you
0: shared it with mine, but I didn't. I but then you changed it on me. We just I think so. We, I I had oh, no idea what you're going with. So oh,
1: or or maybe I maybe I did that on purpose. Um, uh, yeah,
0: we're, we're revealing the 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 man behind the curtain at this point. <laughs> I should I, I ruined the secret. My bad. <laughs> I'm, I'm not an expert. My bad. I'm not a pro. All
1: right, Dave. So do um, you want to kick off your first wide?
0: No, no, I'm going to do my running back. Oh, oh. Sorry, I still want to give him my running back. Um,
1: I thought he wasn't. My bad. Go for
0: it. No, 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 he was. I just, I knew that you were taking you. He, you were high on him, so I just went. I just went further down my list. I get um,
1: it. I pick up what you're putting down, David.
0: Yeah. So my my players too are, they're really late. They're not the Mapridas. They're really, Ito Smith is going. I think in the 14th round, Todd. Yep. Um, he is. That's my my player. Um, my big my zoom out point is that the Atlanta Falcons are a top five offense. They have a lot of. They've improved their offensive line. They've got a great quarterback. They play on turf. Nice, fast offense. Big chunk plays. Um, I really love me some Ito Smith. And then when I, you know, I zoom in a little bit more, I look at, um, you know, Devonta Freeman's there. He's supposed, you know, he's coming off an injury plague, two injury plague seasons. Um, he's a smaller RB. I think he's going to his age twenty seven season. Yeah. Um, but he's, he's suffered a lot of concussion, several concussions, and some lower body injuries. That can plague a, a running back. Um, can really hurt, you know that can that can carry over so it doesn't make a ton of. so when I look at you know this opportunity for Edo Smith it doesn't make a lot of sense for Atlanta to give you know 25 touches a game to Devonta Freeman right yep. you, because they, they've been very conscious in the preseason about Manji's workload I don't understand why they won't do the when back when the first year where Devonta Freeman and, and Tevin Coleman shared a backfield Freeman was the RB1 that year and he had 16 to 17 touches a game I believe um, I, th- I think it's going to be a similar split for, you know, a best-case scenario. Well, not best, but a a very good scenario for Ito Smith would be he's in that Tevin Coleman role where he sees, you know, anywhere from 8 to 12 tar- t- uh, touches a game, maybe mm-hmm. with some upside for more. Um, so that's when I think about, you know, what kind of opportunity he has. And then there's, like we said, there's uncertainty behind. So why is Ito Smith going so late? Because... He got some decent opportunity last year at points. He did let a lot of people down in DFS. I know that. People were really high on him some some weeks because he was set up to smash. He didn't really deliver. But behind Freeman and Edo Smith, uh, Brian Hill is, was an interesting fifth-round player out of Wyoming. And I actually recommend him as a, maybe a deep dynasty stash. I mean, he's he should be on a lot of deep dynasty rosters, in my opinion. Absolutely. But if he's, but if he's not, he should be. Um, because he, does, he did have one 20-catch season, which is a big number for me because it shows some versatility, but he didn't do a lot with those, reception, or those receptions, and he was more of a, a grinder, but he does have some upside, and he did have some flashes at times. Um, and then Allison, too, he's was drafted in the fifth round again this year by Atlanta, but he's more of a goal... I, I think he's more of a goal-line vulture, 228 pounds, okay hands, but not, not exciting. Um, I don't think he fumbled in the preseason. I just don't feel like he's... You know, a threat to, be, to to take over that, to vulture any time away from Edo Smith or opportunity. Maybe, like I said, a goal line. That's it. Um, but the thing that really gets me excited about Edo Smith, the cheese, Todd, is the elite receiving back. He's an elite receiving back. He's a skillful player. At, Absolutely. He was Southern Mississippi. He saw over 300 touches his junior year and 288 his um, senior year. And then his sophomore year, he had 49 receptions. Junior year, he had 43 receptions. And senior year, he had forty 40- 40 receptions, and then all over 10, any average for over 10 yards per reception in college. That is elite. That's like, I think if you look I, in my database, I have a, um, I'm working on a database for um, college players. And if you take out the running backs in the NFL who were actually re, um, receivers in college, like, um, you know, I'm trying to think who was one of those, um, like Ty Montgomery. If you take Ty Montgomery out, Ty um, Edo Smith ends up being a top ten as far as his receiving ability in some in a lot of categories because he is that elite of a pass catcher. Yep. Um, so I really like that and that. So for me, going back to that philosophy of z- a zero RB target, I want that ref- that that uh, reception floor. Um, and then just looking at last, you know, besides just looking at college, um, he equaled or out touched Col- Telvin Coleman the last three games of the season before he went down with a knee injury. So. Um, and that was behind a bad offensive line, so he wasn't really efficient. Didn't really do much, but he saw 24 red zone touches last year on only 117 touches. That's that's that makes me think that Atlanta might want him to use him as a red zone weapon. Yep. Um, because he he's dual threat. He's you know had four rushing touchdowns, and he he I just when he catches the ball he makes he I feel like he can get big chunks, and that's exciting to me in that Atlanta offense because there's a lot of other weapons and they're not maybe seeing you Nito know, Smith sneak out of the backfield, so. That, you know, and then, like, going back to what really gets me excited, Todd, about, you know, besides just being a good player, is that, you know, what happens if Freeman isn't the same player? What if he's, no, you know, the injuries have dinged him? What if he gets injured again? Right. What, that's, at 14th round, that kind of, we drafted him in our, in a basketball league. That, I mean, he's a great ball player. Mm-hmm. You don't have to worry about his, his bust weeks, and if he hits a big play or gets a couple touchdowns or takes over, That's I like that kind of upside, Todd. That's why he's a sleeper for me.
1: Yeah, and I, I think it's... Uh, so would you say that uh, Freeman is injury-plegged?
0: <sighs> Todd, I don't like to say anything in <laughs> set in stone, but he's been dealing with a lot of injuries. I don't know if that's going to predict future injuries, but he's been dealing with a lot of injuries.
1: No, but see, so for me, like like I like Ido Smith a lot too. Um, I tried to steal him in Dynasty a little bit. People were being a little ridiculous with the value there for a while. So for me, um, with him... He's He is a receiving back, and that Telvin Coleman role is now opened up. And exactly, the other opportunity is you have a, a clear receiving back with an open opportunity to fill that spot, and then you have an, a running back that's coming off a major injury that has a history of injuries. So And he's attached to a phenomenal offense. I love that pick. And the best thing is, I... I actually think that that's probably the best super pick out of out of the four we said because it's the latest too. It mm-hmm. like
0: you can't beat that value. Yeah, can't beat that. value.
1: There is uh, so when we're using the fantasy football calculator to do the to to do that, there are three kickers. That are valued higher than A him. lot
0: of defense is higher than him, too. Yes,
1: and I'm like, if you're looking at that, that is a sleeper. Like, like that is what you call a deep sleeper for me. Not,
0: bu- I don't hear any buzz on him. Have you heard any buzz on him?
1: No, I... I, I As you... Like, we've talked about him. We both really like him. And he's not going to cost a lot, you know? Yeah. So, like, it's like, whether you want to have him or, like... Or Bucker, you know? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so I'm... I'm very high on him, so that was so, a good one, Dave. I like that one. All right,
0: can we? So I think I think I really like what we're given here, but let's try to pick up our pace a slightly a bit because I want to get out of here, give people a nice succinct episode tonight.
1: Yep. So uh, for me, for um, I can actually do both my wide receivers at the same time because right, they're kind it. of at the Ooh, same time. Todd. Look so my two wide receivers have similar situations. One has had greater production, and the other one is. I feel like this is going to be a season where we're going to finally see what we've been hoping for. So my first guy is, who had a really good rookie year, and Dave knows I'm obsessed with him, is Anthony Miller. Um, oh, yes. Anthony Miller. Uh, Anthony Miller, when he was coming out of Memphis, was the eye test past. Like Like, I went off and like, it was just, like, YouTube all night with Anthony Miller. Yeah, and you really liked him. Yeah. I liked him. And um, I got my share of him in my last draft, so I'm happy about that. But the thing that I love about him is is that he didn't, like, burn down anything with, like, you know, with receptions. He only had 33. You know, he had the 423 yards, which is not terrible for a rookie, but seven touchdowns. Mm-hmm. You know? No, that he showed... was a
0: touchdown monster.
1: It was great. So, that's seven touchdowns. He played in those 15 games. And for me, you're looking at an offense that was just scratching the surface of what it could be. You got Nagy there, who is a, a mastermind with offense. You got a young quarterback going into his third season. You got Allen Robinson, who I think is a, if you, I mean, he doesn't fit the definition of a sweeper, but I think he's great value as exactly. that, yeah. right? I think Trey Burton's going to bounce back a little bit and just keep people honest. And then do they upgrade at that backfield— Anthony Miller is in a very good emerging offense, and he's a very good player. And you can get him somewhere in the late 11th in some drafts. I went higher for him. I think I was somewhere around 9 to get him. Mm-hmm. And I was happy with him as my third wide receiver while I stacked up my running backs. Wow, yeah. So, so like, I was really – oh, and I also picked Andrew Book before him too. So, <laughs> uh, but the whole thing about that is just that, like, I, I love – he's a guy that I see – you saw he's. You saw what he did in college. You saw the production. He passes the eye test, and then he proved something for me last year. And he's attached to an offense that I think is going to be a top ten offense in the NFL. I love Anthony Miller. He had
0: a major shoulder injury too. He was like walking around in a sling in between games because it was a major. He had like a major shoulder injury last year too, Todd, and he, yep. and he still had that performance with that. So he's tough, tough as nails. I
1: I, I love him, man. Like when I watch tape on him, I couldn't. I could. Not stop thinking about Steve Smith. You know, um, the good one. So, um, yeah. And my other guy is, it's Dave's boy. He loves him. I love him too. Uh, Trey Kwan Smith. Um, he's right now, like, his ADP is around 1411. So you're looking at, like, end of the 14th, early 15th. I don't necessarily agree with that. I feel like you might have to go a little early for him. But how can you hate on a guy that has every physical gift you could ask for and he could be the wide receiver, too, for true breeze, who's getting better with age, man. He's like a fine wine. It's crazy. Really? And, like, anybody attached to Sean Payton just makes me excited in fantasy, you know? Mm-hmm. So you're looking at a guy that he's entering this year, and he's got a lot of opportunity ahead of him. He's a second-year wide receiver. He had five touchdowns last year. You know he can get the ball downfield. So he had 427 yards, but only in 28 catches. So, like, he'll eat up yards. So I like Trey Con Smith a lot because of the, the athletic freak that he is, the opportunity in front of him, and the offense he's attached
0: to. Yeah. He's – he – um he was a baller at, I think it was USF, I think, University of Southern, I think, or UCF. One of those. USF or UCF. One of those two. He was a third-round pick. He had great size adjusted athleticism. He played at Central uh, Florida. Yeah. Since, yeah, UCF. So he, um I really liked him. and Now, people are, there's a lot of negativity in camp, but you know how that is, Todd. Who cares? He is a good player. He, he flashed a lot of upside. He had two wide receiver one weeks last year. Mm-hmm. I love it. I like, give that, especially if it's a best ball. Ho, <laughs> <laughs>
1: This is the kind of so, guy that, like, I want that negativity so you can drive down his yeah. draft capital. Oh, yeah. Please do.
0: Ignore the noise. Please Ignore do. Ignore the noise.
1: Please make him cheaper for me. So there right. you go, Dave. How about that for speed? I just did two that for was, you. Th-
0: that was good. All right. I'll give you two. I'll try to do my best here. All right. Michael Gallup. He's going, I believe, at the end of the 11th round. Love uh, I love oh, Gallup. I I think you're a big fan of him as a rookie, I believe. Um, um I was hiring
1: Miller, but, yeah, I like yeah. Gallup.
0: Yeah. So... Um, you know, you, you zoom out a little bit. You look at Dallas, and it's a run-heavy offense, so that might scare you away. And they were um, 19 in the league th- in the pass attempts this year. But if you break it down a little bit more, Dak actually increased his pass attempts per game. And um, the first, well, he actually not even breaking it down, but just looking at Dak Prescott as a passer for his throughout his career, he's got he's passed the ball more in each each season. He's all the way last year he had 526 pass attempts. Um, Kellen Moore is coming to the offense now, the Boise State product who. You know, people are talking. as a lot more creative than in the past for the Dallas offense. So maybe a little creativity can open things up in Dallas. Um, and you know, I also you know look and go, now when I zoom in a little bit more, I look at when Mari Cooper arrived in Dallas. Dax' pass attempts went up three pass attempts per game after Cooper arrived. Um, and be, after Cooper, who actually has a little nagging foot injury, who he's talked about that he's going to be able to handle all like throughout the season. Um, that's you know that's a slight red flag in the back of my mind um as a cooper enthusiast but um you know there's no one else behind amari cooper it's besides michael gallup um you know jason witten's there um randall Steve cobb Mike, randall okay, okay randall cobb, the ghost of randall cobb he has come back injuries have dealt with a lot of injuries and then i guess you got tony pollard might be a, we- a receiving weapon but i'm t- telling you todd as far as if you look at and then okay so that's a good point so now but i look back and i look at michael gallup's um how he was used last year and i think it was after week let me look back here um after week six he became the starter in week six where he didn't um i don't think he went under like 75 snap share after week six last year and that was even after Mari cooper arrived so uh gallup established himself as that number two option and if you remember so and the, so he saw seventy targets as a rookie, which is pretty decent. He had over five hundred receiving yards. Um, and if you just go back, I think it was. Did didn't Dallas play the Saints in the playoffs last year? Yes. Um, they kept on going. They were using Michael Gallup in the end zone a lot. They. I think there was a penalty on Michael against Michael Gallup. He drew a pass interference, or maybe it was just or. Um, or maybe it was just a Dak might have airballed a little bit. They just missed. They went back the very next play and did the same play. Michael Gabb went up and got for a touchdown. That's showing me that they are starting to like him a lot. There's a lot of good buzz out in training camp. I like I like the idea of a second-year jump for a wide receiver who um, I, I almost forgot, too. He was an elite, in my opinion, elite college producer. He had over 35% of his team's receiving yards as a 20- 20 and 21-year-old, and he had um, – a really good college dominator for 75th percentile, which is college dominator is a combi- is a combination between their best and last year's um market share of their teams receiving yards and receiving touchdowns divided together. So that that's just shows you how he was an elite age adjusted producer, which you know is a big thing for me. And just jumping over to the next one is another one of guys that we both love. We just drafted him and I think in the 16th round or 15th round of our um, autism bowl, or fantasy shack autism bowl. Yep, Albert Wilson. Now, ah, Albert, Wilson, Albert Wilson, I like yeah, Albert it. Wilson. He's not so you think that I, oh, I just want these young, these young potential guys, Todd. Albert Wilson is, I think he's like almost 28, 20, he's 27, 28 now. He's getting older. He had a, he, I think he was in Kansas City for a while before going to the Dolphins, and um, <clears throat> excuse me, so. And I look back, I, I just remember being in love with Albert Wilson. So I went back tonight, because I've been talking about him all offseason, how he's one of my guys. I even, shout out to um, Tass Assassin, uh, 13, Zach Reed from the Dynasty Dummies. Um, we were getting all excited about a bird alert, um, because he had a roto-word <laughs> blurb yesterday. Um, but, so I look back at Albert Wilson. So Albert Wilson was a elite producer in college. At ages 19, 20, and 21, he saw over 37% of Georgia Southerns receiving yards. And he also... Well, so it was a special team weapon i like that that you know people have there's been studies showing that special team ability can like for the antonio browns and uh that can transfer transfer over to the nfl so except then people are gonna you know throw a wet blanket over and say well burt burt birdie's had a lot of time to break out and he hasn't done it well he finally got that opportunity last year in miami and i went and looked back and he had i think he got injured week seven he had a major hip injury that he's Hopefully, be ready for week one this year. So that's something you have to be worried about. But he he didn't he wasn't even seen as a starter in that uh, in that offense. But he then until I think week three he had a big play like a 70, 70 yard touchdown or something. But he had seventy four yards on two targets or something like that. And after that, he became a starter. Adam Gase recognized it and he and he started to take over in that offense. He had two other big weeks um, before going down. And I just like finally when a guy gets his opportunity, I like that potential. And the idea of getting him this, you know, really late in drafts. Um, my glasses are literally fogging up, Todd, talking about Albert Wilson. I'm not, I am not. have to wipe my glasses off here. I am excited. Um, and there's a wide open depth chart. Kenny Stills might be gone. There's been rumors that he might be traded or cut because of um, his contract and maybe some disagreements with the owners in uh, Miami. Uh, I'm not worried about Devontae Parker, the the wonder king of training camp ah, are you finally not worried about Devontae finally I haven't been worried about him in two years I've been off Devontae Parker for two years that's an old habit I kicked That was, but that was a tough one to kick Todd tough one to kick
1: yeah you, you threw quite a tantrum in a restaurant once over Devontae yeah, So yeah it
0: was, yeah. when he went it was his rookie year and I, he was my I was just oh I loved him and I was going to take him the next and I think Jared snagged him Yeah. And I, went, I, I think I threw a tantrum at the bar
1: it was amazing it was so, so fun
0: yeah, those are my guys, Todd. I um, I think that. Any other reasons why to like Albert Wilson? Um, I I think
1: you kind of summed it up. I mean, for me, it's about opportunity. He's clearly a very good athletic player. I love him in best ball drafts. Like I always target him in best ball. But can't the, beat that price. And the other thing too is he has QB upgrade too. I am. Oh
0: yes, I I forgot to mention. Yeah,
1: I mean, whoever wins that job's a QB upgrade. You know what I mean? So like the only thing that worries me about Miami is the fact that it's a coaching change and a philosophy change. And you're looking at a defensive coach, but to me when you're, when you're picking Albert Wilson, the upside compared to anybody else you're picking is probably not equal because Mm -hmm. of just like what he was able to show for that big play ability. So if he can be able to get the ball in his hands more, you could see some big weeks from him. And, um, Albert Wilson to me is a guy that I'd pick as a sweeper, Let him blow up if he can a few weeks, and I would try to sell him high. Because <laughs> yeah,
0: or, or you know like say if he doesn't land, like say if he just they don't like him Miami, yeah. and he doesn't get an opportunity. Pick you can drop him in week three for yep. that that big waiver wire ad. You, you know it gives you some Ross. That's the the beauty of some sleepers. If you know you're gonna know pretty soon if Albert Wilson's gonna be good or not this year. I like to think anyway.
1: All right, so you ready for my two tight oh. ends?
0: I do. And I have to say, he's an elite athlete too, Todd. He's a he, he, oh, very good athlete. All right. So yeah, I'm ready for your tight ends now. Yeah, I'm ready for your tight ends.
1: All right. So hold on. Excuse me. I got to wake somebody up. Make your pick. There we go. Come on, IDP people. All right. <laughs> um. So for me, what I went with, both these guys are uh, right now, they're both with their ADPs, 1308. So you're looking at like late 13th round, early 14th round. And I you know, I'm looking for those guys that are young and exciting, and you know, you just get excited about and pick them, and you just can't wait to see that upside. And my two guys are Kyle Rudolph and Greg Olson. <laughs> so, no, I'm not looking for upside guys. I wait on tight ends, and what I like about these two is and if you've listened to our podcast, I love Kyle Rudolph. Because I don't understand why his ADP is so low. And I'm just going to eat that alive. Somebody took him in like the eighth or ninth round of our draft. And I was like, this guy must listen to my podcast. <laughs> and, 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 like, that was great. But then the whole thing about it is, is that like he finishes the tight end six and the tight end seven in the last two years. I mean, and he's attached to a, in a premier offense. He's, he's only 29. Like tight ends with age is not the same as like a running back or a wide receiver, you know? Mm-hmm. And for me, um, I just love everything about Kyle Rudolph, and that's the kind of guy that I will build my wide receivers, I'll build my running backs, I'll take Kyle Rudolph, and then I'll roll with him, and then if I happen to just – and then scour the wire if I want to try to pair him with a young wide tight end or whatever. And with Greg Olson is, Greg Olson, we're looking at a guy that a couple years ago was fourth, fifth round, you know, Mm -hmm. and he's attached to Cam Newton. He is Cam Newton's guy when he's healthy. Alright? Why would I still be in love with Greg Olsen? Because I don't care if I have to drop him. You know? If yeah. I have if I can get a healthy Greg Olson in the beginning of my season, I'm definitely doing something right. So I'm gonna roll with him early, but everybody else like reach out and try to pretend that Evan Ingram is going to have a good quarterback, you know? And, you know, like, I love Evan Ingram. I just really hope he gets out of New York sometime. But my whole thing is that, like, he like there's a rapport between him and Cam. If Cam's playing, then Greg Olsen's this guy. Let's say Cam gets hurt, Dave, right? What do rookie quarterbacks rely on? Tight ends. And then the backups of Will Greer, you know? Or Kyle Allen, who also I could see being the same way with Greg Olson. Greg Olson is an All-Pro tight end. He's
0: uh, 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 what, f- what else do you have to say, Todd? It's a great value. He is I's been a stud. The <sighs> only problem is injury, and maybe he's that's it. Right. And if you're picking a guy in the 14th round, or a 13th round, like that's a guy who could very
1: easily be on the wire, anyways. Yeah. So why yeah. not go for a guy that's proven? Now. On the other side of it, I just wanted to point out another guy I'm really high on, and I didn't want to share him tonight, is because it's Mark Andrews.
0: Uh, he's Yeah, he's a he's a buzzword, though. Everyone knows about Mark
1: That's Mark. why I didn't want to say him. Like, yes, I like him, too. Everybody wants to talk about him. Like, it's getting to the point where I, like, please keep talking about him so, like, somebody takes him in, like, the ninth round. You know what I mean? But, like, these two vets just wait on it, get those other positions that you need to to use to win – And not to mention, like, the only position that's deeper than tight end on your waiver wire is going to be a quarterback position. Yeah. So, yeah, Mm -hmm. that's my two guys.
0: All right, so I I actually decided to play around with this idea a little bit about just the idea of taking this guy as a late-round tight end. Now, the the problem is I have to – a few caveats to this. I'm not taking this player if it's a really short bench. If it's a very short bench, I'm not going to take this player. And if I do take this player, this is actually an interesting strategy thing that I picked up recently. I want to make sure I have a kicker who has a later season bye week because this guy is suspended in Chris Herndon. He's not going to be playing until week six. Um, I don't want to have to say if a a kicker is a week four, maybe it's a really, like I really like this kicker. He's doing well. And then week four, I don't want to have to burn a roster spot on that good kicker um, if I'm playing in a league like that, I should say, that has kickers and defenses, but I want to make sure I have a a, a kicker who has a later round by or a later week by and that and Chris Herndon. And I heard on uh, Matthew Kelly's um World podcast this week it's called a bridge to Herndon. That's what you have to do to get a bridge to Herndon, get through those first 5 weeks and you might have a breakout tight end and, and you know in Chris Herndon. Why do I you know looking you know Looking back at the Jets' offense, it's actually pretty low volume passing, but it's a new regime now in Adam Gase. But unfortunately, Adam Gase is also known for a very low volume um, offense. Um, So, so then by look, think that yeah, it's low volume. But Sam Darnold is getting another year. So maybe they're not going to protect Sam. They're not going to you know baby him a little bit more. Maybe like him a little bit. He knows the offense or another year in the NFL. Maybe a little bit more familiar dealing with opposing defenses and. so let me and then also too that that cor- the corners for the jets are very very bad they got jamal adams who's really good uh, as a safety and they have another um safety there who's not terrible i can't remember his name off the top of my head but their corners are ugh. so they're gonna have you know if they're getting tore up by opposing teams pass offenses donald's gonna have to throw the ball donald had a really good december um and he really um, gelled with Chris Herndon last year. I know that a lot of um, players were out when Herndon really started to take off, um, because uh, Anunwa went down. Um, uh, the the former what, Seattle wide receiver um, got hurt, so there wasn't much between Robbie Anderson and Herndon last year. But looking to this year, um, Anunwa and Crowder are, are, are Crowder's new. Anun was back. But Herndon, Herndon, I really like a a tight end who flashes in year one. He took over, I believe, in week – he took over in week nine. And after week nine, he had a 70% snapshot the rest of the way. He had five games as a rookie over 10 fantasy points. That is extremely – really, really good for a fourth-round rookie tight end. Absolutely is. Um, So, like I said, roster construction-wise, I don't love it. But if I compare uh, Chris Herndon with a a guy like Greg Olson – who can get me through those those first couple weeks say if i load up at other positions and i spend two bench spots on those tight ends i like that idea um you know say i, I get what i need a greg olson and if and if greg olson you know takes off i can drop i can i can just drop herndon and pick up another waiver wire guy or um greg olson pitters out uh, and i just have herndon when he comes back i really like it um so my last guy, too, is maybe another guy to get me to Herndon is, um, you know, uh, Darren Waller from the Oakland Raiders. He, uh, oh, I drafted,
1: love Darren Waller.
0: Yeah, he was... So I remember I had him on a couple of dynasty rosters a couple years ago when he was with Baltimore. He is just this athletic freak at like 230 pounds he was back then he's added a bunch of like 20 pounds to get over 250 to play tight end he's apparent like everyone who's seen hard knocks he's battled some substance abuse issues but he's been over a year sober now um and just looking you know i just have to look at oakland doesn't have a lot be i mean they have antonio brown i think he's going to be fine in oakland but you know who knows with that kind of erratic behavior you have tyrell williams who's more of a field stretcher um, and Jared Cook isn't there anymore. And Jared Cook was the tight end five last year with Derek Carr, um, gave gave the tight end over hundred targets. Uh, I like that, you know. And Darren Waller also had a very good out of Georgia Tech. Ha, um, had a very good college dominator rating. I don't. I, I think sometimes he's going. And I know in Dass he's going in like uh, tight end eighteen past tight end eighteen. I forget what he is in other. Uh, you know in redraft, but he's very late. Um, he he got a little buzz in the last episode of Hard Knocks, but he hasn't got as much buzz as I thought he would. He's still a good value. Um, yeah, that's my Darren Waller spiel. Another guy, I, and then if he doesn't, you say if he doesn't hit, whatever. I drop him. I drop him, and I and I have Herndon on my bench. So those are my two tight ends.
1: Um, he dropped like two rounds for me after they featured him on Hard Knocks. I felt yeah. the Hard Knocks love, oh, yeah. but great. not as much
0: as I felt. Like there's been past Hard Knocks guys. Um, Devonta Freeman he like jumped like four or five rounds for Hard Knocks like there's some real Hard Knocks love for Devonta Freeman at the time but yeah so that's all we got tonight Todd I I think we're pretty efficient tonight
1: I I thought I thought we were man I thought it went well Um, like I'm saying for me when it comes to sweepers opportunity potential and offense are attached to and don't worry about guys that are vets man but of course, look at those sexy
0: rookies. Good stuff.
1: Yeah. yeah. All right. So, Dave, I hope you have sweet dreams of sleepers. All right. Yes. I'll
0: be able to sleep better tonight after we're giving those off my chest.
1: Okay. Don't get too wound up now, buddy. All right. <laughs> so, um, follow us on Twitter. Uh, our handle for the show is at Tale of Two Rivals. All one word. And I am at FF underscore banterman. Dave, you
0: are at ff underscore spaceman and you know we've had a couple people rate and review the show on itunes as much appreciated and we love the interaction on twitter if you know people feel free to reach out if you have any ideas um if you want to be a guest in the show you know anything we're here for advice for tips for just general banter on the twitter the Twitter sphere. thanks a lot todd
1: all right i'm todd signing off dave and away yes. we go yeah I'm starting to get a little uncomfortable with all of these sexual references, Dave.
0: I, Todd, I mean, Quinn heard the spiel beforehand, and I, she said, don't get, to, don't take that too far.
1: Dear Lord.
0: <laughs> it wasn't an Joku moment, at least, so. joke. <laughs>